This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Everybody right now caught in the jostle for space in the race trying to keep up the pace by space round round. Everybody is yeah, jamming, 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 jamming for a better life, a better way of living. In the meantime, simple things we forgetting, like how to say good morning, morning neighbor, morning neighbor. is inside uh, not a long weekend I kind of like those long weekends I do I do oh well oh well anyway 
morning. Good morning, neighbors. Thank you so much for joining us on Paul 102 Digital. It is the program we call the Power Breakfast Show. Was on the show this morning. We got the Richards twins. We got three people with ours. We got Paul Richards, Richard Ragubarese, Ruben. Yeah, I got Noir. My name is Steve. We'll keep you company until nine o'clock this morning. All right. So thank you so much for joining us. And let's get into the meat of the matter this morning. Let's see what the traffic situation is. It was a bit light this morning. I couldn't figure it out at all. I couldn't figure it out. Um, but let's start out in the east. If you're heading towards the Valencia Junction, you got some volume there. Maloney towards Piaco. Yep. And uh, there is an accident in the middle, somewhere in the middle, by Best Creek there, westbound. It's a minor, so it should be moved off shortly. But Trin City towards Haji, you've got some traffic east of Main Road. Uh, as you go through Aruca and Golden Grove, got it, Takarigo, McCoy, Tutapuna, and uh, volume heading to Port of Spain from the interchange. Nothing out of the late risers in the west, nothing at all. Ah, boy, look at that. Minor accident again, northbound by Freeport. Alright, so that should be cleared up shortly, but from there, heading towards the interchange, you got some volume. Chaguanas, you're busy. Monroe Road, you're beginning to build up. Rivulet Road, no problems there. All right, I'm seeing there's another accident. What is going on this morning? We just have to point up here. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, northbound. Okay, so that's three accidents to tell you about. All right, so that's pretty much it. What's the weather going to be like for today? Party cloudy and breezy with intervals of showers over a few areas. There's also a 30% chance, which is low, of the odd heavy shower or thunderstorm. Partly cloudy conditions will likely linger into the night with isolated showers. Winds can become gusty in the event of heavier downpours. A relatively mild concentration of Sahara dust present in the atmosphere. Quick tra- uh, weather update for you in Trinidad and Tobago. But let's see what the weather is like in some places. 23 degrees and got some rain out in Piaco. Um, Tobago, you're at 24 with a drizzle. Toronto, you're back down to 2. Miami, you're at 23. Orlando, 21. New York, balmy 9. Atlanta at 7, London at 11, Tampa, DJ Ray, you're at 19, and of course, Chris, our Washington, D.C. correspondent, as it's 12 degrees. All right, that's a quick one for you. Let me bring uh, Paul Richards in. Good morning to you, Pablo. What's happening? What's happening? Morning, Steve, uh, Ruben, Wendell, Richard, everyone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. week of the year already, I'm almost over. Yeah, yeah. Quite yes. interesting. Yes, last year went by pretty quickly at some parts. So, um, some I mean, parts. Well, the perception that it went by quickly, I think it went by the same speed it always goes by. Unless the universe sped up somehow, <laughs> but that's quite possible also. The universe could have sped up. <laughs> but we oh, don't know. Boy. I don't know if you're following, if you're an avid astrology, astronomy buff like I am. No, and I looking am. at the discoveries of the James Webb Telescope and how it's smashing all the some of the previous theories 
uh, that scientists had about the origins of the universe and the fact that it's discovered stuff that's more than 13.5 billion years yeah. old which was the time the scientists had initially predicted the universe age was and that they can't account for the fact that the universe is expanding uh and they're seeing stuff that's beyond the expansion rate and stuff that richard and i and our civilizations have mastered a long time ago mm-hmm. that you're not catching up on but basically they, they have to rethink a lot of what they thought before based on what they're seeing uh, presented by the data from the james webb uh telescope and they're discovering structures that are 15 billion years old when the universe is supposed to be 13.8 billion years old wow so the so the supposed big bang theory has been smashed to smithereens as nonsense but then we all knew they were guessing anyway quite frankly yeah this will be one second of all i need to find something so, out here so it's thursday morning i'm sorry i said it's thursday morning yeah yeah the weekend is in sight barrier fueling uh Pirate, Pirate Diving Commission resumed yesterday. Um, Parker Shambada resumed his antics. Clearly aimed at uh, marketing his services to a wider um, clientele. Because I've never seen Parker Shambada respond like this. Uh, to, to be fair, I've never seen him in court before, but this was not his demeanor when he was minister of something or the other. Yeah, he's quite uh, feisty, isn't he? Well, more than that, it's kind of obnoxious sometimes. But yes, I guess you could call it feisty also. So, whoever witnessed day, he's putting on performances to show that he's the big bad attorney. And he will badger you at every turn. Uh, him and Gilbert Peterson, senior counsel, clashed. And we saw why Gilbert Peterson is a senior counsel and he's not. But I guess he must be playing for senior counsel too, you never know. You never know. That he's this big bad attorney and he's capable of uh, being hard nosed and all defined and and um, and aggressive and stuff like that and seeking the interests of his clients, which which I think you can do without being rude and obnoxious, which he is to me very often, which is not the the Prakashama that we knew when he was a minister and when he was. Uh, the the what's the political leader of the now? Is it I can I say the now the founder is it, are there still the COP still in existence? Is the COP still in existence? I don't think so, you know. I really the don't of, think it's the Congress, think of, the Congress of the few people or the Congress of the person. <laughs> I don't even know if they're still in existence I, and operational. They just vanished. Well they didn't just vanish, they did that to themselves. Yeah. Well, it started while um, in government with the People's Partnership to me, where they allowed themselves to be subsumed by the UNC, which is a much bigger, much more powerful party. But if they had some testicular fortitude and could have stood up for more of what they believed, they were basically decimated in that experience. And coming out of it, the UNC dumped them and then went solo after. You know? So. Um, we see what does that mean? Nobody's hearing us. 
Um, yeah, so good morning, folks. I know our app and our website are down. Um, I, I don't know why. We did send a message across to powers that be. We could get us on. I don't know about Alexa. Um, Piggy Lou, you could message me. And uh, I know you're getting us on TuneIn. So that's why I don't really have any messages. It's Kenny, Godzilla, Maria, Marva, Trev, Trev, and Arima. That's pretty much it. Should I stop talking and go back to sleep, or should I continue talking? What? Sorry, you said to me? Should I, I continue talking or go back to sleep? No, continue talking. We're still streaming. Still hearing us on Alexa and tune in. All right. Good morning to those of you on Alexa and tune in this morning. Yeah. Around the world. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know the Congress of the people, or the few people, or the Congress of the few people, or the Congress of the person is still actually an active political entity. I, it, I always find it curious when uh, politicians quote, uh, in this instance, I can reference Gary Griffith uh, as an option for persons who are not uh, aligned it to either the PNM or the UNC, uh, as uh, those who are part of this supposed third force, and they quote the, P, the, the, the COPs, 180 or so thousand votes, they, they wrote to amass at their peak. And I asked them, okay, so there's evidence of that at that time. What is the evidence of it that is that that uh, following is still there now? They said, well, we know it's still there because it's not a line. I said, but what is the evidence that that following still exists for the COP or for any other political entity able to attract them? Um, well, we know it there. How do you know they have not gone to the UNC or the PNM? And they are still available to you as a third force. No answer. I said the COP has not been able to demonstrate in the last two election cycles that they have any base whatsoever at internal election level or on a national level. So why do you feel that third force is still available when in the last um, two national elections? We have not seen a significant change by any third force or individual uh, offering themselves up to the electorate. Why, why do you think, where's the evidence to support that that is still there? It may be there, but I don't see the evidence to support it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was just trying to um, get it back on. I think this one is beyond my powers. But good morning to all those that tune in and Alexa. Thank you so much, Pilu. Good morning to Carol Guevara. Thank you so much. Riri out in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you so much. All right. Ruben, thank you. I had to make sure to wake up Ruben this morning, yes? Yeah, so sorry. Um... You know, I haven't heard from her a long time. Jeez, her name just went, came to my head and just went right back out. Oh, gosh, what's her name again? She was in charge of, she was the leader of the COP. What's her name again? Carolyn Sipasad Bichon. Carolyn Sipasad Bichon. 
I haven't heard from her in years. Is that a bad thing? Uh, well, we just, you know, just haven't heard from her. Well, again, one of the people who were uh, subsequent leaders to Winston Dukra and leading the COP that mm -hmm. didn't do very much for the COP, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And led to the eventual demise. Um, and then after, I think it was her, Prakash Ramadan, and who else? In Prakash Ramadan. And somebody else. Uh, they had one other leader, and then they had so much turmoil. It's like, what's the point? I don't even think I, I, I would, it would be interesting if, if someone could tell me if this still exists. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, message board, because our message board is down. We don't have the app and website. I do not have a message board. Um, yeah, we did do a reset, so it'll take a, a few to bounce off. And we'll get it back on. Yeah, that's above my pay grade. Can't do anything from here. Well, they're, they're working on it. That's what yeah, we they are working on it. We woke up everybody this morning and they're in front of the computers and all you hear is that's all you're hearing. Typing away. So the, the commission of inquiry uh, resumed and uh, they started back what did they there's a lot of uh, debate as to what caused and who should have been away and what was mounted in terms of rescue and who told who uh, it was unsafe to mount a rescue and the same uh back and forth about establishing who was culpable and who was not culpable in the ongoing debate and i think that's this is basically what the whole exercise is about uh who could minimize culpability and responsibility and who could assign culpability and responsibility good morning Raghu hi good morning guys. morning richie good morning. rich morning to our listeners wherever you are on this thursday morning kind of rainy thursday morning actually yeah and the sun is raining out in the east plants are yeah. going yeah yeah i was asking earlier on actually we were talking about um electorate and we we're talking i don't know how we got on or we we're talking about prakash ramada and i was uh, suggesting that he was one time leader of the cop so too was carlin Sipasad beach and the reference uh the referencing of people of this third force available for votes that I have not seen the evidence of since the COP's peak at about 180,000 votes. And I keep asking people like Guy Griffith, what is the evidence that this third force is still available to you? I'm not saying it's not, but I have not seen the evidence of it in the last two election cycles. Well, there hasn't been... Well, in the last two election cycles, one... The COP, I think, would have whittled away that third force's goodwill in terms of how they became a subset of the UNC. This is what I said earlier. And they allowed themselves to be subsumed during government. They got determined. Yeah, so, so I think that third force, or if you want to call it, um, you could call it third force, you could call it the independent voter who will look at it, will have transferred their votes either but, to the people's But, but ha has an analysis been done? to see if when that third force was approximately 180,000, if there was a commensurate reduction in either the PNM or UNC or both, or did it come from someplace totally different? Do you understand what I'm, what I'm asking? I think it is, well, 
if you look at it from a statistical point of view, yeah. they get about 30% each of the electorate. UNC and the PNM, yeah. Right. So it means there is a 40% of the electorate that is either uninvolved, but certainly or unmotivated to actively vote for either of those parties. And, and or it could have also come from persons who are dis who are disaffected by both the PNM and the UNC at some level and a combination of that cadre that you're speaking about and or the PNM and the UNC at that time. Mm-hmm. It didn't necessarily have to come from a different group only. It could have come from no, people no, who... No, are, no, it's like, it's like, like when the NAR formed, it was primarily in people's estimations, PNM persons who were, were disenchanted by what the party was doing at that time and subsequently went back after... So that's what I'm asking. If an analysis has been done, if that of that 180,000, if perhaps 80,000 of that, what that came from the UNC or the PNM or a combination of both, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if an done. analysis has been done or not. Um, I can't answer that question, but I know, like, from a statistical point of view, if you have um, 1 million roughly um, voters, 1.1 million, I think, active not active, but eligible eligible voters, eligible voters. Mm-hmm. Eligible voters in Trinidad and Tobago, often it's about 60% of the electorate that votes um, at, at maximum. So that means there is roughly a 35 to nearly 40% sleeping giant of voters. Not necessarily, because we have never gotten past 69.9% of eligible voters in the history of voting in the country. Well, well, that's my point, Paul, that there's roughly 30 to 35%. Who never voted. Who who don't vote or don't feel motivated to vote. Including when the COP was at its peak. Right, so obviously that, obviously to enthuse that group you or, or, or um, to get them to actually vote is a task that a third party would have to do because they're not necessarily in some cases no matter who they are apathetic they're not interested in voting and they have no no propensity for voting but i don't but i think that can change i think all of it i think it always comes down to the evidence has not supported that theory yeah but yeah but the evidence is a short history paul in, since in, 1962 in, 60, in 60 plus years they never vote why did yeah, come and that's a short period of time i don't think you can you can concretize that that's it and that's how the society will be i'm just going more. based on the, the data that, that yeah is i'm just saying that, that, that obviously they have not been motivated to vote for either the unc well let's start with nothing whatever, is impossible whatever format the unc took because yeah. unc has morphed into different things at different times and um but that section in terms of the, the, the leaders and and the pnm has always been the pnm and there are some people that just have never liked the pnm and have never seen the opposition as in its current construct as an alternative and so how does a third party get that section to be motivated to vote for them that's i can't answer what they need to do but i think it's a leadership issue and it's an inspiration issue and I think, uh, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, that, let me say that. Nothing is impossible, but based on the data I've seen and the trends, it's unlikely. Because there will uh, always be people in every society who will never vote. No matter uh, who or what is presented, they will never participate. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know that they, um, I don't know how much of that 
that 30 to 40 percent is of that but that's because you point. also have disaffected active voters who just don't vote because they also dis they, they disillusioned by both parties for whatever they're reason they're impressed by neither of the two yeah who who have previously voted mm -hmm. who then joined that that group too so it's it's a mix yeah. And, but I think a lot of it has to do with how do you motivate those vote, voters. And motivating voters is about inspiring them. And well, unfortunately, it, I don't well, know, goes back to I don't point know of, how of good a job the People's National Movement and the UNC is doing in inspiring that group. Agreed. Because right now, I think both parties are speaking primarily to their bases. Yeah, I would agree to that. I think they're just pandering to the bases at this point and they're not moving uh, past that uh, sort of appeal, a, a, a strategy for appeal. And, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, well, in Tobago, we certainly have seen a, a, a seismic shift in trends with the PDP. But again, that was also because of, in, in the most of the political analysts' mind, persons who in the PNM who were disaffected by what the PNM was doing, namely Tracy, Tracy Davidson Celestin. So again, it goes back to my point about when you have a third force rising up, it's not necessarily the cadre of 35 or 40,000 who had not been enthused to vote before, but it could be from the either the major two political parties who were just fed up of what they're doing. They don't want to vote for the other side at all because they're not on the other side. But they will vote for another option uh, that presents itself in, in a way that's attractive to them. Mm -hmm. So, we'll see how it goes coming. Uh, yeah, more debate in the, in the paradigm tragedy. It continues later on this morning. Uh, uh, and, of course, uh, the paradigm managers well prepped at defending the company's actions or inactions. And... Mrs. Ramada and others representing the families and others uh, inquiring as to why, uh, what happened and was the response in the dire circumstances adequate or not. So that's the general um, trend in, in the inquiry. Quite interesting. I saw um, commendably, and I'm so happy that someone at this level in the region is raising the issue of mental health awareness so commendations to jamaican prime minister andrew holness who took time and, and and really focused on telling jamaicans to seek help if they feel overwhelmed depressed or unable to cope in terms of their mental health awareness he says the two-year disruption in routine caused by the pandemic has had quote untold and yet to be understood impacts on mental and physical health and social behaviors and i thought i found that was so well thought out and profound for a leader a prime minister to take time and focus on uh alerting the public to be more aware of their mental health status i think we would do well to kind of look at that in trinidad and tobago not that the minister of health has not been doing it and the prime minister may have referenced it, referenced it in passing ever so often in terms of the what the impact has been. But I thought that, that the Jamaican prime minister really, uh, because he took the time to deal with that almost alone, it was very impressive to me. Because people yeah. are going through, people are really going through. We spoke about it earlier on in the week. People are going through a lot and then it's just uh, 
inflation, food prices, both both ferries for elders. It's just one thing on top of the other. Um, the prospect of increased electricity rates, uh, fuel subsidy de um, decreased last year is a lot. Property Businesses, tax. property tax is just a, it just seems like so much is coming at you at one time. And the disparity in the haves and haves not significant increasing all the time. And people saying, but I catching my aunt, uncle, and then, but look them over, they're doing so well. So is it really, are efforts really being made to, to deal with the, the, the gaps in society? Or is it that we just accept that, well, some will have a lot and some will have very little? And I don't know, kind of thing. So it's, it's, something that i don't think the government is, is dealing enough with or, or yes they, they have responded by saying we have um social security grants and this grant and that grant but as you always say is jumping through hoops and ineffectiveness to get those and how many get it in the end if if, if 100 apply and, and 15 get how effective is it and mm. the 15 will get her to jump through a million hoops and call a million times and struggle and come back with a piece of paper and go back with, with as you say it's almost like if it's it's more restrictive than in, in enabling and facilitating and i have no problem with checks and balances to avoid fraud but to me it just seems so bureaucratic and cumbersome when people are in desperate immediate need and sometimes yeah, the authorities don't realize the desperate immediate need that people face. No. Because no, you're going home, you, you're a driver taking you home, your children get dropped to school, and you have three square on your table every day. You can go to Miami for Christmas and stuff like that. So you really don't seem to understand the plight of many of the average citizens in the country. Even the those who would have fallen into a more comfortable middle class status before who are also struggling now. Yeah, it's all of these things coming at you. And I'm seeing, uh, of course, um, you also have the issue of COVID and China. And I know we spoke to the Minister of Health yesterday, and I'm seeing an article today where he's saying, um, where, where people are raising the issue of why they're not requiring screening for visitors from China. And they're saying, well, they think that there is a good enough level of immunity in the population as it stands in terms against COVID, in addition to which that people coming from China have to go through the UK or the US anyway. So they would, it's kind of their or other countries that require it before they come to Trinidad so that acts as a buff, buffer in terms of Trinidad and Tobago not needing to put in any restrictions. Um, so, I don't know what people think. I mean, that's a possible pool, I guess. Well, the WHO has, has warned that China is underrepresenting the true impact of COVID in that country, particularly that's big surprise. China always tells the truth. The removal of the restrictions last month has led to a surge in cases. Yeah. China has stopped publishing daily case data, big surprise, and announced only 22 COVID deaths since December. Imagine in what's happening, only 22 deaths. China line as usual. Mm -hmm. and, and the WHO is correspondingly worried about the COVID surge in China because they're, because of the lack of information and data coming out of China. You know, and 
I don't know. Okay, it seems we have an upper backup now. Thank you for your understanding. Yeah, I mean, China is notorious for lying about data regarding these things, which is why the pandemic in large spread so quickly in the first place, because they were underrepresenting what was happening, hiding it from the rest of the world until it became critical. People flying in and out of China, spreading it around the world, and China, they're coasting as if everything all right. I don't know why anybody believes anything in any official data coming out of China because they will lie. They will misrepresent and they will lie. And they control their media and they are very, very totalitarian in the way they disseminate information around the world that may be uh, negatively impacting their image. It didn't only have 22 deaths in China since December. We know that. And then though an international journalist are not allowed to go in and do normal journalistic work in China as we well know. So, I mean, if people don't realize that they have to put up um, mechanisms for people leaving and coming into China, coming coming from China, sorry, nationals and visitors from China, now and not wait for it to slap you in your face again, something wrong. I'd rather be particularly uh What's the word? Cautious, then then have to face a, another specter of a pandemic or lockdowns in this country again. But I think part of the the problem, because of that lack of information coming out of China, and because of the um, of course of the large population in China, and and because you don't know how many cases, what we, what the world suspects is that it's pretty rampant because you're hearing news reports of bodies piling up, etc., etc., because um, a lot of China is not immune, immunized. Um, a lot of people have not taken the vaccine. And it's also a huge country with many um, it's, it's a country. It's remote huge. provinces that, that, you know. And so the concern is whether a variant of concern could emanate from all of those cases. Which is what happened before. And so, um, so I know Japan recently joined the United States, the United Kingdom, France, Spain, Italy, India, Israel, Australia, Canada, and others who have um, um, started to apply restrictions in requiring that negative test. Now, I know, I get, I get what the Minister of Health is saying. He's well. I, I don't know. I suppose when we speak to Nicole later, she may. She's postponed she tonight. Yeah, week. she's postponed. Maybe tomorrow. Okay, I thought we were speaking to her today. But anyway, but she, I mean, she would give a sense of what she thinks about that. I know she doesn't get very political and things of that sort. She kind of keeps it the science, which is what she should. Um, but how does that affect um, the world in terms of what's going on in China? And are those measures that those countries putting in place for negative tests the right thing to do? Now, I know because of China's investment in many countries, including Trinidad and Tobago, there may be a pressure on states not to do that um, because China is always very aware of its image and the optics to a kind of obsessive point of view. They're very obsessive about that. How do they look to the rest of the world? What are the optics? And, and, I, and I, have, I have no doubt that they can apply pressure to countries where they heavily invest that they should not put restrictions. I don't think that's beyond them. That I could say, don't put any restrictions. And 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 deliberate misinformation to protect that image. Yeah, 
because they're very as they're doing now with these so-called 22 deaths and they've they've been known to do that before they've they've done that they've under underrepresented this the state of covid since 2019 when it began how it began so much so it spread around the damn world so why would now be anything different what has changed in china that will make their approach to this any different clearly just that countries are aware now that you can't trust the data coming out of china and the chinese government so people taking uh preemptive action as they should and not waiting until it slapped them in the face or as you say the conditions are ripe for a major disruptive variant to evolve again because china doing what it's supposed to do and it get out to do the rest of the world we go through this crap again for the next two years nah, man. no 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 exactly exactly because that's quite possible and we all spoke to the scientists for like a year and a half and when when the population is not as immunized uh, vaccinated sorry as, as they should be and people are moving around and the virus is a chance to mutate from person to person and spread that is where the dangerous variants come about and the circumstances may be ripe or approaching ripe in china for that again right now When you have a billion people, you could afford that. This may sound callous, but if you lose a hundred thousand, is a blip in the radar for you, you know. I mean, if you have a billion people, yeah, it's not as devastating as if you lose um, a, um, a thousand people in a population of a million. Understand the scale of it is different. I mean, every life we always say is precious, but in their case. They don't seem to think so, as you know, a billion people mean another uh, element of production for them. Yeah, I suppose we could look at. I mean, there are two possible polls. <laughs> one is kind of a well. One could be whether you think Trinidad and Tobago should institute restrictions. And I think that's the question. People coming from China. I agree. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, the other, which maybe we could do for Friday is whether you think Gary Griffith is a good nominee for president of Trinidad and Tobago. Look, at 6.42 already. So yeah. early. <laughs> but he's a whispering my ear. Paul, they did a poll downtown and there was an overwhelming support for Gary Griffith as president. Huh? Um, according to one of the daily newspapers. Oh, you, you know that we do intend to increase door sizes in Trinidad and Tobago right time soon, right? Oh, Behave oh, yourself please. now. Let and change door sizes in every building oh, for the president to enter and leave. Oh, you remember, remember that. But anyway, you never and know. Let, let me just let you all guys know that our app and website are back up and they're working. So you can send us a message. Gary, right, good, good morning, Gary, 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 Gary. Gary Griffith for president. That was the overwhelming consensus from members of the public pool in Port of Spain yesterday on whom they would like to see replace outgoing president Paula May Weeks. <laughs> I think Gary Griffith would make a good president. Things were more stable in the country when he was commissioner of police compared to now, said one of the um, members of the public, Cindy Ann Smith. Smith said she felt President Weeks was not as visible and outspoken on national issues as she should have been during her presidency. 
Another member of the public, Elizabeth Wright, said she would also like to see Griffith as president, given what she had, what she said was his good track record and trust among the public. He made the country feel safer. I think he would be a, he would do a good job as president. Gary, 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 Gary. I'll send you guys. Um, Who's the number one man to be picked? Yeah. I just said Another woman, guy. Latoya Stafford, said the post of president should be held by someone whom the public likes, trusts, and is there for the people. It should not be somebody too young because they might not have the right experience. And it should be somebody educated. I would not mind seeing Gary Griffith as president. These are all people on the street, Paul. The man on the street. You could sit down in your highfalutin Senate seat and and be this just and um, be um condescending and say, Would Oh, you hear me chanting? We'll have to build bigger doors. <laughs> <laughs> but people on the street are at odds with your opinion. Gary, 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 Gary. Oh boy. You guys are bad. Rich, you have so papers with you? Poll. Maybe for later on in the week, we could pull that. Yeah, well, maybe Let's do next it tomorrow. week. Yeah, okay, yeah, do tomorrow. you support Gary Griffith as president? Oh, yes, tomorrow. tomorrow. But I say later on in the week, as yeah. if we have plenty of days left. Tomorrow. 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 We could do that tomorrow. It's a good Friday poll. Yeah. Do you, would you support Gary Griffith for, for nomination as president of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, we could do that tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I just sent <laughs> you all a picture of the, of the gentleman as, as number one pick so far. Who's Mr. Frost? Mr. Sterling Frost. Who's that? Um, he's a professor. He won the. Um, he received the order of Trinidad last year. Other names being picked is Mr. Henderson and Ralston. Okay, Sterling Frost. There's one. Okay, computer, come up. Yeah, you do that. Um, all right, we got to get through the headlines. Let me just remind you all as well. That today of is the, frost. Yeah, today is the funeral of the Black Stalin, uh, and also let us send out condolences going out to Winston Gypsy Peters um, on the passing of his wife a couple of days ago. Um, I believe it was on the second. Uh, he, I spoke to him yesterday, um, last night actually uh, when Wendell uh, told us. So. Um, you know, um, on behalf of all of us, condolences to you, uh, the Peters family. Condolences to Gypsy and his family. Sister yeah. Frost is a professor of practice management studies, mm -hmm. a senior international management executive with a global mindset who has successfully blended academia with the corporate sector for four decades. He's solid experience in areas encompassing organizational transformation, culture change, knowledge management, human resource management, strategic planning, organizational leadership develop, development, strategic workforce planning, operations, and process involvement. He, he, he has been bestowed with the Order of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. You know, we'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. All right, Rich, let's get into it. All right, so we could go through the daily newspapers at this point, um, uh, which I do have. Um, on the front page of the Daily Express today, a protest over crime, dangerous conditions at St. Joseph's School. Teachers storm out. This is a school, I must admit, 
that I have raised, I, I don't know if I'd raised it with Nan Gatsby Dolly, but certainly I raised it with um, um, the former Minister, Minister Garcia, um, with regard to that, that's a school on the bus route next to Bangladesh, which has been gradually, which they were building and was 90 something percent complete, and they just ripped it apart. And the, the state never continued with the building of that school. And I remember no, every, time I brought up, every time I brought up that school with Minister Garcia at the time, yes, it's on the list. Yes, it's on the list. Yes, it's on the list. He had time to be there. He had time to leave. And that school was rummaged and, 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 and has now gone into a state. If it was 90% complete, it's now 30% complete. Which is what somebody was saying on news <laughs> last night. It's I'm um, no, I'm serious. That's what somebody said on news last night. And um, that's in a descent. So that's in Joseph Secondary, which is the old school they're talking about, is where apparently robberies and stuff were taking place. And some teach some some parent went there yesterday, apparently, to drop some money for his children and was robbed outside. And they say they tell children to walk in groups and stuff because robbery is high in the area. And then you saw then you saw an and so, teach, so teachers um, stormed out of the, the school apparently um, yesterday um, because of the, the entire conditions and, and the robberies that are taking place. And of course, the Ministry of Education is just saying, oh, it was some grass that was tall and it's a few robberies. As if any robbery could be described, you know, it's kind of minimizing it in how yes. the statement from the Ministry of Education yes. came out. And I'm like, what? And I, I don't know. I don't know. That is a whole crazy situation. And that St. Joseph School, I have I remember raising that consistently with Minister Garcia. Anybody who was a regular listener all then would I know remember, that I would have raised that. I issue. remember. And was always, yes, it's on the list. Yes, it's going to happen this year. Never happened. Yeah. Ridiculous. Right, let's, let's Back page of the Daily Express. CWI slammed BCA President Riley unhappy with no home matches for four-day champs. And Gulli stands out on slow day and spurs blank palace 4-0. Trinidad and Tobago Guardian for today. The front page. Carnival threat. Fat promoters feel left out by NCC. Slow license process hindering business. Securing venues also a big headache. And there's a picture of Jerome. Um, Rome Priscilla, president of the TNT Promoters Association. Who is he again? Um, a fat fella. <laughs> tribute to and there is a tribute to Stalin, of course, which they talk, talk about. I see plenty of people on social media. Um, Pong Krokro's performance in that um, event. I don't know what Krokro did, but there were many people dissatisfied with his performance at that Stalin memorial. And on the back page of the TNT Guardian, Riley condemns cricket board. Moving straight along to our final of the three dailies this morning on Newsday. Relatives calling cops after signs of desecration. Grave mystery. Apparently, there's something that went on in a grave, and there's a picture of photographers. I don't know what, what I don't know the story well, so we could get into it maybe later on in the morning. Um, and of course, on the back page of the Newsday today, um, as we develop South Venue set to reopen, Regrello calls for sports first at Skinner Park and Charles Four or Charles Four puts Bravo 11 on top. And that's it for today, Thursday, January 5th.
2023 and the dailies across Trinidad Tobago. Our poll for this morning, well, let me give you the results of our poll from yesterday. Uh, yesterday we asked you, should the importation of fireworks be banned in Trinidad and Tobago? Results after this. Get a master's degree from the UWE Atalogja Global School of Business. We offer programs to fit your busy lifestyle with internationally accredited degrees and online classes for MBA, HR, finance, marketing, sustainable energy, and SME management. Logjack GSB is an affordable and convenient choice for career-driven, leadership-oriented professionals. Registration is now open for January 2023. Learn more at logjackgsb.edu.tt. That's logjackgsb.edu.tt. Or email admissions at logjackgsb.edu.tt. All right, once again, our morning poll. Should the importation of fireworks be banned in Trinidad and Tobago? A lot of votes, 100%. 100% said yes. This morning's poll. All right, so that was our poll yesterday. We move on to our poll today. And our poll today is, do you think Trinidad and Tobago should implement entry requirements for, of a negative test, COVID test, from visitors from China. Do you think Trinidad and Tobago should implement entry requirements of a negative COVID test for visitors from China? That's our poll this morning. Of course, you know, the Ministry of Health says it's not necessary, etc. Um, what do you think? Because other countries around the world are implementing it. So do you think we should or do you think we should not and uh, and that you believe that the ministry of health is correct in their approach so do you think trinidad and tobago should implement entry requirements of a negative COVID test for visitors from china that's our poll this morning yes or no what that's do it. you think two two two, 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 two. talk two, 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 eight two five five north americans eight six six five two five ten ninety nine and that's absolutely toll free to you in North America, people in other parts of the world, one 222 talk 222-8255. And of course, people on the web and app, you know what to do. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, good morning, Katie, Powerman, Dennis, Rampage, Big Guy, good morning. Um, uh, Sankofa. Big Guy says yes. Trev Trevin Arima says yes. Lunch Park says no. Thank you so much. Send us a message via our message board, our mobile app, and our website, power12fm.com. They're up and running. Uh, CJ, good morning to you, CJ. Yes. Have a great day my, as well, my dear. Uh, Miss Ingrid, good morning to you, Miss Ingrid. All the best. Uh, my answer to the poll is absolutely yes, of course. Junior. Morning, Junior. Yes. Beefy Smith. Hey, Beefy. Didn't hear from you in a while. Uh, says yes. All right. All right. Yeah. Do you think Trinidad and Tobago should implement entry requirements of a negative COVID test? From visitors from China. It's like two years ago, deja vu. 
Yes or no? 222-8255-612-8255. Tool free. North Americans. 866-525-1099. Yep, that's our poll this morning. What mm -hmm. do you think? What's your opinion, listeners? All right, here is a message on our message board as Junior and Beefy and CJ did um, via our mobile app and our website. And like Wayne out in Simcoe, Ontario, Canada, where he says yes. All right, remember two years ago. I think, years ago, I think it was. That implemented that, yeah. yeah, remember two years ago? I think it was March 28th, am I right? That we had shut down the airport. 2020. Yeah, 20, what did I say? 22, 20, yeah. So like deja vu, like two years ago. Uh, Rampage says yes. All right, let's grab some calls. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Grandy. Yes. All right, reading up that side. Oh, he's gone. Let's ask uh, Zena. Morning. Is it raining? I don't know. I don't know about it. Um, yes. I don't know. You yeah, just the rain is held up. It's held up. It's, held up. In right. it's cloudy, but it's not actively raining. Right? Zena under that smelly blanket is woo. Oh, God. That's why it's sweet. So. Mm-hmm. Later. Right. Trini Jam, morning Trini Jam. Uh, my aunt says yes. Loyal listener says hello, guys. Okay. Carol Guevara says uh, yes to the poll. Loyal listener says yes to the poll. Um, Miss Ingrid says, my, in my opinion, from visitors from everywhere. Okay. Paula, yes, absolutely. Stretch. Not if the U.S. and Canada and England already did it. Uh, there's our safety net. There are no direct flights from China to TNT. No, they're not. Um, Sexy San Fernando says yes to the poll. Thank you so, so much. To our poll this morning, um, do you think Trinidad and Tobago should implement entry requirements of a negative COVID test for visitors from China, mm -hmm. as some countries in the rest of the world have been doing? Um, that's our poll this morning. What do you think should be implemented? Yeah. Of course, the, the Ministry of Health says that they are satisfied that the country is um, protected enough in terms of vaccination and the people who I suppose who would have gotten COVID. I assume mm. that's what they mean in terms of um, we have some level of um, protection. And they're also saying, just like that caller or voter just said, that there is a buffer in that those people have to go through other countries that already have those restrictions. So there's no need for us to do it. Um, um, Kenny out in Harlem says yes. Riri out in West Palm Beach, Florida. Says yes. Our Eve uh, says from Sugar Guana says yes. Ms. Maloney Dudu, yes. 
Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. All right, we head up towards our 7 o'clock news. Traffic is very heavy if you're northbound from Chaguanas. And eastbound, um, well, I should say westbound on the Churchill Roosevelt Highway from Maloney. Traffic is heavy. All right, let's get into our 7 o'clock major news. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.